Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on WORTFM.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow, and this is A Public Affair. Today we are joined by Patrick Miles, who is the chair of our county board. Patrick, how are you doing today? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Earlier this month, Dane County Executive Joe Parisi announced that he will be retiring in May of 2024. Parisi was first elected to the seat in a special election in 2011 and served as county executive ever since. But will it look like what will it look like? But what will it look like when Parisi steps down? Dane County Board of Supervisors Chair Patrick Miles is joining us on a public affair today to talk about how the board is preparing. Patrick, I am curious, what was your reaction to Parisi's announcement that he was retiring? Um, you know, what did what did it feel like for you to find out about that? Or is that something that you and the board have been aware of for a while and have been kind of strategizing around in concert or partnership with our county executive? Uh, uh, let's see. So, no, we were not apprised of the county executive's uh, decision to retire in next May uh, ahead of time. <clears throat> I'm assuming, you know, that's a very... It was a very personal decision of his that he had to make on his own and um, in consultation with his family and so forth. So, um, and I think it's, you know, well-earned. He's um, been county executive for quite some time and has accomplished a lot in his time. And, uh, you know, I was aware that, you know, his wife had retired a couple of years ago and his kids are off to college and elsewhere. So, I think they're empty nesters now. So um, it's not, it wasn't entirely surprising that uh, he was, he's retiring. Um, the timing is a little bit surprising. Um, but outside of that, uh, are you saying the, the timing itself? Yeah. Are ahead. you saying the timing is surprising because he's not going to finish his term? In some regards, yes. Um, because his term would be up, you know, it would uh, come to conclusion in April of 24. That would be the next election for the county. I mean, 25, sorry. of the uh, That would be the next election for the county executive is April 2025. Um, so being a spring election, uh, candidates would be taking their papers out December 1 to circulate to get on the ballot. Um, so that means with the timing that he has chosen, May of 24, would uh, force the special election to finish the term to be on the November ballot um, during the presidential and everything else. So essentially, somebody will be elected in November 2024 20, and immediately right after that, you know, a few weeks later, take out papers to run all over again. Yeah, I think I, I think that that is interesting and kind of aligns with how he ended up as the county executive. So you have been a, a representative or a county board supervisor, you said, for 18 years, which means you were there when he was appointed um, as the interim county executive in 2011. Actually, he wasn't appointed. He, he okay. won in a special election. Um, so Kathleen Falk was county executive then. She uh, resigned, if I recall correctly, it was to run for governor. Um, and uh, even though she had resigned, she was appointed to uh, fill the seat until the special election was held. So, um, so actually, Kathleen Falk was the interim <laughs> until until the special election, and uh, Executive Precy won that election, obviously. 
Is that an option you all have talked about with Parisi as having him serve as interim um, until there can be a special election or until uh, the end of his term, in, in which case a, a county executive could be elected by the community versus appointed by the board or the board chair? No, I haven't discussed that with them. I mean, it could certainly be an option if it was something he was willing to do. Um, I have, so one thing to note here is the entire county board, including myself, are up for, our, our terms are coming to an end and we, you know, there'll be a spring election in April, 2024, uh, in, in which all the 37 county board supervisor seats will be up for election. So, um, so first that has to happen. Um, and I am running for re-election, by the way, and I also uh, will be seeking to serve another term as as the county board chair. So those things have to happen first for me to have any role in, in this uh, come May of 24. If I am the county board chair, one thing I've stated is that I would be looking for somebody with uh, who's familiar with county government and county budgeting process um, and would ask, uh, I would seek somebody who would, with that knowledge, um, but would not be running for office, for the office, um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's, again, the timing is peculiar, um, and challenging. I mentioned the thing about the election, you know, right away, they did circulate papers in, in December, but in addition to that, if somebody were interim executive at the same time they're running for the office, well, that really divides their attention at a time that uh, all the departments are putting together their departmental requests for the 2025 budget. And uh, so we really need somebody who's going to be present for that work and, and has that institutional knowledge. So... Do you have an idea of who you would want to see be in that interim or who kind of meets the profile you're looking for? So who would be interested in coming on and leading temporarily until the community has the opportunity to elect somebody? And my other question around that, Patrick, is does the rest of the board agree with you in terms of those being the priorities um, for who you as a board um you know, put in the position mm -hmm. to be our next county executive? The feedback I've gotten so far has been entirely positive as far as that being the approach I would take, um, both from from fellow supervisors and from those outside county government. Um, uh, that, that approach has been received positively. Um, but again, you know, and I'm not going to talk about any names I'm thinking about at this point. I, I do have a, a couple in mind, but um, but there's a lot of moving parts here. We have to get through spring elections first, and uh, I would have to be um, elected county board chair again. And and who knows? The county executive could change his mind <laughs> and not retire. So. I, I think that's a really interesting thing to, to think about is the fact that Joe doesn't necessarily have to, Joe Parisi doesn't have to follow through um, with his retirement. He can at any point in time say uh, that he wants to stay on through his term or even that he wants to run for re-election. What does this most recent development in county board politics mean um, for the working relationship between the county board and the county executive office? Um, you know, it, it really has been, you know, business as usual. Um, there hasn't been a lot of uh, communication and collaboration with, uh, between the county executive uh, and the county board. Um, it's something I've been trying to change, but um, so... Why is that? Why isn't the, the county board and the county executive's office um, working together in collaboration effectively to serve the, the people of Dane County? 
That's a challenging question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, in, in many ways, we're, we're on the same side on so many issues. And, um, you know, I, I think at times there's been resistance from the administration when the county board has exercised its its um, responsibility of due diligence and oversight. And, um, and that's been unfortunate. Um, and it, it seems to be, you know, one of the sources of breakdown of communication. But, um, but like I said, you know, we're fortunate in that I think what you said is really complicated because if you say one of the breakdowns in communication is that when the county board exercises its authority um, and does its due diligence and and is participating in decision making, um, which is why we elect our county board supervisors is because we want our county board supervisors to be uh, active leaders in our community, um, that 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 is is contributing to a, a dynamic that makes it hard to work together. Do you mind kind of I- explaining that? Why why would the county executive have a problem with the county board, um, you know, doing their due diligence and, and rising to the occasion of leading within their specific area of authority? My guess is it's a combination of a couple things. The county executive has, you know, may have an agenda of his own that he wants to push and um, uh, anything that may slow some of that down may be seen as um, opposition when not necessarily is. It's just making sure we're crossing our you know, T's and dotting our I's. Um, the other is, is um, it, it seems to have been interpreted as uh, a questioning of um, county management leadership, and um, <clears throat> and you know, from my perspective, it, it, that's not what the dynamic is about. I mean, it, like I like I said, it's about uh, the county board um, has the responsibility to provide oversight and and to question things. Doesn't mean that we think. Um, that we're trying to micromanage or question uh, our managers and our department heads. Are you satisfied with the the leadership um, in Dane County right now? You all had some kind of some some you know some more public disputes around who should be uh, positioned as department. Uh, chair in a variety of areas, I believe. You also had kind of a controversial issue with leadership at the zoo. Um, does the county board have have kind of the right at this point to, you know, scrutinize the decision making in the county or to want to see improvement um, in terms of, of county leadership? I'm sorry, can you say that question again? I'm I'm asking if you know, if some of the the tension is caused by saying, hey, um, it feels like the county board is overstepping um, or is overly critical of the management of the county, my question is, is the county board justified in being concerned about leadership of our county? Is the county board justified um, in in questioning uh, how, how things are going right now? Well, I, I think... That's part of our job is to monitor that and, and to always be asking that question with a critical eye. It's not that it's not that it's necessarily that there's bad leadership. It's just providing that oversight and ensuring that we are. And when when there's a decision to be made about a change in leadership, namely, you know, I think what you're referring to is the Department of Human Services. Uh, uh, we're without a, a permanent uh, director for that department. Right. That department is currently being uh, chaired or co-directed by Gloria Reyes. And I'm sorry, I cannot, I can't think of the other person's name right now. Astra E. Kameri. And that is a temporary uh, approach to, to leadership in that department. Correct. And um, so uh, that, yes. So the board um, had a problem with 
the person that the executive had nominated to fill that position um, and uh, denied that um, confirmation. So uh, the position remains vacant and they, the administration just went through and completed an RFP process to hire a national recruitment firm to help uh, with that initial recruitment of candidates um, for the next application round. So I think that's where they're at now as they're getting ready, if they haven't already posted. Okay. And so kind of after that, that the tension um, or disagreement about who should should have that role, um, there's there's been, you know, kind of the county board working in its silo and the county executive working in, in his silo and maybe less um, communication or ability to kind of work together collaboratively and proactively. Well, I, you know, I I've been doing um, my best to work with with department heads and others. So, for example, um, some of uh, we've had some issues around employee relations with our employee groups, and um, I worked closely, brought to the table people from the administration and people from employee groups um, to work out uh, an ordinance change in our civil service ordinance um, to improve our uh, meet and confer process <clears throat> in uh, developing and maintaining the employee benefit handbook and um, that process was really um, a positive one where I think the administration responded very well in the next meet and confer process that just finished up recently um, with really good communication uh, and I think it it started with our with the work that we did on the on the front end with that uh, revision to the civil service ordinance. Thank you so much for, for kind of clarifying that and, you know, for letting folks know a little bit about what it's like to work on the county board and what it looks like for the county board and the county executive's office to, to work together to serve this community. If you're just tuning in, I am joined today by Patrick Miles, who's been a county board supervisor uh, for the last 18 years. He just let us know that he is up for re-election and running for re-election. He's currently the chair of the county board, um, and he's got some big decisions to make. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to a public affair on W. ORT 89.9 FM, Madison. My name is Ali Maldro, and today we're talking to Dane County Supervisor Chair Patrick Miles. If you have any questions for Patrick, give us a call at 608-256-2001. Huge shout out today to our receptionist, Steve, our engineer, Nate, our producer, Jade, and our news director, Sholly Pittman. Patrick, I want to dive back in to the conversation about what it looks like to replace our county executive. It's a it's a big job. It's one of one of uh, the more influential leader leadership positions in Dane County. Um, you all will will vote together as a board to appoint somebody in May um, of next year. Talk, talk the community through what that process will look like. Will people apply? How, how will you know if somebody is qualified um, for a job that isn't really a job, a job that's about representing people and that most people, in order to have it, have to run for and be elected to? Yeah, so um, the overall process is this. The, the county executive, would, if the county executive resigns next May, then the the county board chair assumes the responsibilities of the county executive. Um, the county board chair then has 30 days to identify a person to appoint to the position uh, to fill the uh, position on an interim basis until there's the special election is held. Um, so once the board chair uh, makes that nomination, then the county board would have to vote to uh, approve that nomination. So then that person would hold the seat until the special election, uh, which would, if, if the county executive uh, resigns in late May, it would be on that November ballot along with the general election. Um, so 
like I said, it, it's up to the county board chair uh, to make that appointment. And if I'm the county board chair at the time, um, like I said, I will, will be looking for somebody with with some institutional knowledge of, of county government, especially the, the budgeting process, because it's that time of year that the county executive is usually giving directions to all the departments on what the executive expects, what parameters the executive wants department heads to follow in developing their budget requests. And that takes place in the department's uh, develop their budget requests through the summer and then come um, August, September, the executive pulls all those together and starts developing uh, the budget proposal that uh, is presented to the county board October 1st. So um, that's why I think it's really important for uh, us to have somebody that knows county government and the budgeting process. Patrick that's going to be my main criteria. Patrick Miles, after 18 years as a county board supervisor um, and now as county board chair, I'm sure there are people who are wondering why you don't want to be the county executive, why you why you want to stay on as a board member versus the county executive. Um, can can I ask why why would you rather be a member of the county board or that body of governance um, than be, you know, in the running to be Dane County's next uh, executive? Oh, there's a few reasons for that. Um, you know, there's certainly things about the job that would be intriguing as far as, you know, like I said, the county executive, you know, is, is one, it's paid, it's a full-time job with a full-time, you know, a full... Yeah, uh, I think I think it's the seventh highest paid person in the county. Um, but yeah, and then, but not to mention, I mean, the more importantly, is having, <laughs> support, you know, support staff, Um you know, executive assistance and so forth to help carry out uh, their priorities. And um, whereas by contrast on the county board were 37 stray cats. Um, so trying to get us moving in one direction is, is a challenge. Um, but uh, for me, it's been, you know, I've had a number of years, like I said, almost 18 years in uh, service on the county board. I served on a um, McFarland Village Board for six years before that. So it's a lot of years in public service. Um, and uh, I think I want to serve maybe one or two more terms. And, uh, and I, you know, I mean, there's always something more to do, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm satisfied that I have, um, given back and that I've accomplished a lot in my time on the county board. Um, You've worked over over the course of your career on the county board, Patrick Miles, you have worked with multiple county executives. Um, can you talk a little bit about the strengths of a, a county executive and, and some areas of weakness and how that'll help you to determine what you're looking for or, or what you're hoping your working relationship with the county executive will be as a member of the county board well i've appreciated i've been, you know we've been fortunate um or i've been fortunate that the county so we've had Kath, in my time on the county board it's been kathleen falcon and, and and joe parisi and um you know from our values as far as you know what we think government the role of government and the and the um services that it should provide uh um we've been very fortunate in being you know very closely aligned on those um and i've certainly appreciated my time with kathleen falk and her ability to work and communicate with <clears throat> a number of people um to be able to um face challenges have differing opinions hammer through issues and uh, with a thick skin and come out on the other side, um, you know, either compromising or, you know, maybe one side prevailing on an issue and not or not, but then we move on to the next problem. Um, and uh, I think uh, that was an, an effective working relationship. So 
um, that good communication and uh, and and alignment on on what we think uh, county government should be providing to our to the people we serve. Are there moments where you really have have been proud that the county executive's office and the county board have worked well together to represent our community, to serve our community, um, and and times where you feel like Dane County should should understand that they benefited from the county executive and the county board um, having a functional relationship and and working well together. Sure, we've been innovative in a number of ways, starting with Kathleen Falk and continuing with Joe Parisi. Um, uh, innovative in things like, you know, how we take care of our environment, um, whether it be, you know, things that aren't real sexy issues, but, you know, effective stormwater management. I mean, when you're talking about stormwater management, you're also talking about our very sexy lakes. And as somebody who's from here, I'm like, I don't think there's anything like more charming to talk about than all, you know, the fact that we all need clean water and we want the lakes to be like nice. I grew up on them. Um, So, you know, I'm like, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't (laughs) knock it. I'm like, there's, there's, you've got, there's some dreamy work you all are doing for our environment. And thank you for highlighting, you know, that collaborative process. Are there other things that stand out to you where you're like the board and and the execs showed up together? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, innovative things like, you know, things we do at the the landfill capturing of, of uh, methane and cleaning that gas and, converting it to either compressed natural gas for county vehicles um, or, um, you know, being able to sell it on the, uh, on the pipeline as renewable energy. Um, and uh, what we've done in the way of development of technology around uh, how we apply salt on our highways, uh, you know, it can be very destructive and, um, and expensive. And, uh, so, you know, the county was on the leading edge when we started using things like, um, brine solution and implementing GPS technology to track where things are being applied and just making sure that, um, that we're not over applying because it has an impact both on, on the roads and the physical roads themselves but it's but also on our water quality uh, the all that sodium being washed into the lakes come spring so um well on, on uh, yeah so that's just one area that comes off um to top of mind when i think about ways we've collaborated together and um i certainly appreciate the county executives and work with um energy companies and developing our solar arrays at the airport and now out on the east side campus uh, by our public works building out there. Um, So, uh, you know, as far as uh, what we're doing to care for our land and water, I think we've been really closely aligned and uh, and working with other organizations like Clean Lakes Alliance and um, our own county land or Uh, lakes and watershed commission Uh, so i feel like it's great to hear that our county our county board and our county executive have come together you know over and over again um over the course of your career to really prioritize our environment to prioritize the lakes and water and you know to to really have have conversations about what are the best practices in terms of snow removal and how those impact you know uh our 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 environment i i'm curious as you look to your next term um one of the most controversial conversations that happens on the county board and it is, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Ali Muldrow. This is a, pat, a public affair. And we're interviewing Patrick Miles from the county board. Um, but one of the most controversial things to come up on the board is, you know, the, the renovation related to the jail um, or the expansion of the jail. It's talked about in different ways by different folks. That uh, project has yet to 
start has yet to be decided on kind of where where will how will the jail shape you know if you're reelected your next two years on the county board and what will that project mean for our next county executive so the the jail project is actually underway i mean with the bids were out and actually their the bids for the construction project are due i think that rfp closes November 14th. Um, so we're looking at, you know, next spring groundbreaking, uh, most likely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so the jail project, that decision has been made. Um, it's a consolidation project to bring uh, various facilities into one facility. Uh, to close, you know, primarily to close the sixth and seventh floor of the city county building, which is an antiquated uh, jail facility uh, that really is um, in such bad shape. It's just not humane treatment. It doesn't provide, um, there's, there's inadequate uh, facility for handling, providing care for people that are having mental health crisis and so forth. So, um, I mean, you know, they end up having to use things like um, isolation cells for people in mental health crisis, and that's probably just exacerbates their, exacerbates their problems. So um, that's the biggest priority in, in the jail consolidation project is eliminating or closing, um, uh, eliminating the use of that, uh, those floors in the city county building. Um, so it'll be a six-story design. That was a big part of the debate over the last year is what what is the appropriate design? Uh, what what do we need to accommodate um, an anticipated jail population versus what can we accomplish in the way of reforms and other efforts to reduce the jail population? And in the end, uh, the decision was to proceed with this six-story design. Um, there were some that wanted to go smaller, um, but you know, underlying all of it is is a bigger challenge and bigger question is how we deal with the racial disparities in our justice system and um that's that's uh a, a really <laughs> big question that that involves um a, you know a lot of areas of concern i mean you know by the time somebody is involved with the justice system they've they've hit some level of dis layering of disparities throughout the system as they've had contacts or failures of contacts. I think that so. that is a really interesting uh, a way to talk about kind of who ends up in jail, right? By the time somebody is involved with the justice system. We have a former president right now who is deeply involved with the justice system. Um, we have a former president who, before he was elected president, had been accused of sexual assault 16 times. Um, so I, I think the idea of who commits crime or how race impacts who we criminalize or who ends up in jail is, is one of the more fascinating conversations we can have. But I will say, I, I don't necessarily think um, Donald Trump is, you know, involved in the justice system right now because uh, a series of, of things um, disadvantaged him in life. <laughs> so the question, what is your question? So I guess uh, my, my question is, is you were talking about kind of how to address the, the racial disparities. And uh, mm -hmm. my understanding is you were kind of explaining that, you know, being justice involved um, is, is the result of, of being systematically disadvantaged. And I guess I was pushing back on that idea mm -hmm. um, because I don't think that that's the only reason why somebody would be just as involved. I do think being disadvantaged um, or or living in poverty or being a person of color makes you more likely to go to jail if you're accused of a crime and innocent than if you are rich and white and guilty. Yeah, well, I think that it's it's one of the key areas is you know the structural racism in our systems, but but other there are other contributing factors to people um, having interaction or um, 
being confronted by the justice system and that is um you know things like generational trauma what what in their background you know maybe it's been an unaddressed sort of abuse that maybe gets passed on um because it's not treated and addressed um like you said poverty uh, mental health issues, so many, you know, what is so important about the crisis care continuum that we're trying to provide in the counties is that it's one way we can get the appropriate services to somebody to prevent them from ever seeing, you know, getting involved with the justice system and, um, or, or having to, you know, without some of the crisis care services, um, who ends up uh, meeting those people in, in a in say a mental health crisis, all too often, uh, law enforcement is called upon to do that. That's not the appropriate resource, and our law enforcement officers aren't trained to be mental health crisis care workers. And and that's where we you know run into a lot of situations where things go sideways. That can be prevented. Patrick, can I ask, do you know what percentage of our county is African-American? I think it's about 5%. It's been a while since I've looked at this. Do you know what percentage of the Dane County Jail is African-American? It's way more than that. Um, The disparity is about three times the national average. which is already bad in itself. So so we're um, living in a community that is about 5% African-American with a jail that's around 40% African-American? At least, yeah. I, I would imagine that there has to be some kind of conversation around discrimination against African-American people and that being a major factor in the incarceration of uh black people in 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 Madison um kind of the long history we have as a society of discriminating against and criminalizing black people um and the fact that that tradition uh continues to be something we see here in Dane County Dane County is a majority democratic community um we have a particularly progressive county board right now we have one of the most diverse county boards we've ever seen are you looking for a next county executive who will really address racial disparities um, and, and you know, really acknowledge the, the discrimination that has resulted in black people being um, dramatically overrepresented in, in our Dane County Jail. Absolutely. Uh, a person that's willing to acknowledge that it's a problem and to um, be willing to think differently because, you know, one of the things we've been trying you know one of the things i've tried to do as a county board chair and and leadership on the county board is looking at um who we're bringing to the table to talk about these problems and and one thing i've learned in this term is that it's what's more what is just as important as who you bring to the table is that you actually listen to those people at the table and um that means for a lot of people getting outside our comfort zone because we got in this boat um, from just doing sort of the same thing over and over again um, and uh, to change the status quo we have to get uncomfortable. I, I very much appreciate you speaking to that. I think, you know, changing the status quo for me as a black person who was born and raised in this community um, is is one of the most thrilling ideas, you know, we could we could have. Um, and I I think it's I think that most of Madison, most of Dane County is uncomfortable with the idea that we are uh, discriminating against people so aggressively um, that our disproportionality when it comes to incarceration is three times the national average. I think most people are uncomfortable with the idea that African-Americans make up 5% of this community and make up over 40% of the people we incarcerate. So I think we would 
would be, you know, moving towards a greater comfort to see that change, or at least I would personally. But I want to take a question from a caller. So we have uh, a caller on the or not on the line. We have Eric who called and just wanted to ask the Community Justice Council, CJC, has stopped meeting because of lack of support staff. Eric wants to know, will the C- CJC start meeting soon? Why the holdup? Patrick, let it, let us know. What's up with the CJC? Sure. Um, so part, a big part of the holdup is that um, our, in, the, in the 2023 budget, um, the executive, I think was a good move, created the Office of Criminal Justice Reform. And that is the department now under which our CJC staff is assigned. Um, we do not yet have a director of that department. The hiring for that director was well underway um, right about the time we had the issue with the, the appointment for human services director. And so when that, um, when that um, nomination failed, the county executive um, closed the hiring process on the um, uh, Office of Criminal Justice Reform Director, uh, basically starting it over saying, well, the assuming the county board would only accept somebody recruited through a national uh, firm uh, doing that initial recruitment, that is not was that was not our position, but nonetheless, that's what happened. So um, we had some 40 applicants or so uh, that had applied for that position. And um, it's really unfortunate we don't have that position filled at this time. Without that director, there's no one to hire this CJC staff that have left over the course of the year. Um, so that's part of, that's part of the problem. And, and of course, we need staff to support those uh, Uh, the council meetings and so forth. Patrick, going back to Eric's question, is there a timeline um, for when we will, we will see that, that the CJC start to meet or see that, that director hired on and begin to bring on staff? What is, what is kind of the immediate timeline for that work? Well, as far as the hiring goes, I, I would hope that we would have, um, uh, the director position filled, um, I would hope, by the end of the first quarter, maybe some time in the start of the second quarter of next of 2024. Um, but in the meantime, it's really up to the chair of the Community Justice Council whether or not to call meetings. And I am trying to explore how we can maybe shuffle some staff around to maybe allow us to meet at least maybe if maybe every other month if not a, you know typically the council meets every month but um, uh, just to monitor what each of the each of the partners are doing within the in the workaround Patrick Miles, I greatly appreciate that you are exploring what it looks like to to meet bi-monthly um, and, and kind of what your options are given uh, the delay in term of, terms of hiring. It's got to be disappointing to have 40 people apply for a position um, and not uh, be able to fill that position. We have another caller on the line and we're getting close to the end of our show. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair and welcome to the show lily how are you doing today lily i think did we lose you hello yeah i think i think we lost lily but lily if you want to give us a call back the number is 608-256-2001 we would love to hear from you if we don't get a hold of you i'm just gonna try to ask your question based on the notes i got from my amazing producer jade um so what I have is that Lily wants to ask about environmental policies, Patrick. I, I feel like that's a really vague question, but it seems like you care a lot about our environment. So hopefully you can take it and run with it. Well, certainly. I mean, there's uh, so much of what we do around the environment impacts our everyday lives. You know, as you mentioned, we have these beautiful lakes. Um, well, people will be able to use them and enjoy them. Um, uh, we have... In, um, out on the western part of the county, we have the Black Earth Creek, is a 
tremendous economic driver that brings trout uh, uh, fishers. <laughs> trying to be gender neutral with that. Yes, no, I appreciate. I appreciate um, your mindfulness that anybody can fish for trout. Um, Thank you. Anyhow, but uh, but you know what we do, like I mentioned, stormwater runoff before uh, stormwater management. You know, Black Earth Creek is one of those things that the the trout are affected by the water temperature, and if we're not mindful of uh, of the temperature of runoff, it changes it, changes the whole dynamic and and the fish population. Okay, so. Patrick, I think like <laughs> I feel like you did take that and run with it, and I'm so grateful. But I think we've got Lily back, so we're gonna try <laughs> one more time, Lily. Uh-oh. Um. Lily, I really, we would love to talk to you. That is the point. Like, we would absolutely love to talk to you. And I'm so sorry that we're not able to. Hopefully, you'll be able to get a hold of us and let us know if we got close to your question. Um, But the number is 608-256-2001. We're here with Patrick Miles for the next few minutes. Um, We would love to hear your questions about what it looks like to find our next county executive leadership or questions you have about what's going on with the board right now. Um, Patrick, before we we started uh, chatting, you let me know that you have not, it's a glorious, beautiful Tuesday, y'all. I walked over here from my office. Please get outside. Patrick, you had not gotten um, outside yet today because you were focusing on on the budget. Um, how How is that process going this year? What does it look like for, for you all to, you know, be gearing up or ramping up towards passing a budget? Well, things are coming along. We're um, getting pretty close to the end. So this week is an important one for our personnel and finance committee. Um, They meet tonight and tomorrow night to hear all the um, budget amendment recommendations coming from each of the standing committees. Um, And we have a number of amendments that... um, uh, you know, good amendments, but uh, there's going to be have to, have to be some difficult choices made to um, keep our costs within within our levy limit. So, um, so that that's always a challenge. Uh, were you that's where we're were you to be able to adjust your levy limit um, or go to referendum to adjust your levy limit? Uh, how how over budget? is the current budget if you were going to keep everything um how much more do you need from taxpayers in or in order to kind of do the quality of work um this budget reflects our our county board is interested in investing in it would take us probably a million over yeah right around a million over at the levy limit probably okay Okay. so looking so and I, i i would say that you know, so the county executive's budget proposal left um, was came in at about a million under the levy limit. So that tells you about the <laughs> the volume of of um, amendments, um, many of which have offsets. So, but even with those, uh, you know, we would be a million over if we adopted them all, which we can't, obviously. Um, so. So you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to get get critical about what we really need as a community, and and you know, I think I think that's one of the most complicated yeah. things you do as an elected official is really look at how you're gonna invest yeah. um, taxpayer yep. dollars to serve everybody. We've got Lily back. She wants to talk to you so badly about the environment, Patrick Miles. Um, okay. Lily, thank you for never giving up. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm oh glad the phone got resolved. I'm so glad that you responded this time. That was really, that meant a lot to me, Lily. Thanks for sticking with us. We've got Patrick Miles on the air. What do you want to ask him? Yeah, well, so I know we're running up on time, but I just want to say that, you know, the county budget is so vast and has funding for so many different initiatives. One that I think it doesn't get enough attention is um, the environmental initiatives and also, I think the person who deserves a lot of credit for that is Joe Parisi for um, for doing things like making Dane County 100% um, 
um, mm -hmm. using renewable electricity at all county facilities, but land banking, um, you know, sucking the muck and making sure that we don't, we never have a repeat of the flooding event in, um, what was that, 2018? So Correct. I just wanted to ask uh, Supervisor Chair Miles if uh, he could speak to some of the Dane County's fabulous accomplishments in um, and sustainability and, and climate change and the environment and also like what you see as the top one or two priorities going forward without executive Parisi in the post for much longer. Uh, what a beautiful question, Lily. Thank you so much. Well, uh, yeah, thank you. And, and you're right. I think you know, those are some of the things I would credit uh, executive Parisi as, you know, some of his great accomplishments as, as county executive is, is the investment and, and, um, protecting our land and water. And our land conservation fund is another area where we're able to protect uh, and preserve and restore places for wetland because those uh, also help in, as well as the, the, the suck the muck that you referred to um, as a way of mitigating and preventing flooding. Um, uh, wetlands are an incredibly important resource for um, uh, um, being able to um, be a, a sponge for uh, increased water in, in those high storm events. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, the renewable energy investments um, have been really, uh, it's, it's uh, something we're proud of and, and, it, and it has gotten us recognition, I think, around the country. We've got about two minutes left, so I want to reiterate the last part of Lily's question, which was, what are two areas, two or three areas of focus that you um, are hoping to hone in on um, as as you move forward, as we move forward as a county uh, beyond the leadership of Joe Parisi? And you've got one minute to answer. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I think I think those things that protect our um, our. Uh, property from flooding, uh, you know, we have to be able to respond to these, you know, extreme weather events. Um, you know, this this year we haven't had the rain, but we did have the smoke that came in from all of the wildfires around the um, uh, this hemisphere, and uh, so our public health being able to respond to that and. Um, for us to have some policies in place for employers um, to keep workers safe in those times is, is another thing that we need to consider as we look at things, um, not just mitigating uh, factors around climate change, but adapting to uh, a changing environment and climate. Patrick Miles, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today on WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. Today, we got to talk to Patrick Miles. I will be back next week. Huge shout out to our team, Jade, Shali, Steve, Nate. Y'all are the best. Thank you.